This is the Good News Station, WCNO, Palm City. Hello friends, this is Tom Creighton. Once again, WCNO is preparing for another exciting trip to the Holy Land. If you've ever wanted to travel to the land of the Bible and walk in the footsteps of Jesus, now is the time. Join me February 16th through the 26th, 2014, for WCNO's next life-changing trip to Israel. Get your application and brochure today by calling the station at 772-221-1100. Get your passport ready and travel with us for what many call the trip of a lifetime. You'll sail on the Sea of Galilee, walk the streets of Jerusalem, stand on the Mount of Olives, pray in the upper room, and renew your baptism in the Jordan River. Visit Capernaum, Nazareth, Bethlehem, ride the tram to the top of Masada, and swim in the Dead Sea. See for yourself the place where Jesus was born, lived, died, and rose again. Stand on the very steps where Jesus would have walked as you experience the land of the Bible that will forever change you and the way you understand the stories of the Bible. So if you're ready for a life-changing experience, call today and join the others who have already registered for this trip. Space is limited, so register today to make sure you're a part of this tour. Get your brochure and registration forms by calling the station at 772-221-1100. That's 772-221-1100. Or visit our website at wcno.com, the news page, for more information. Good morning. I'm Pastor Bob Tarvis, your host for the Revealing Truth radio broadcast. I want to invite you to listen in today as Pastor Jason Baumgartner takes us on a journey through God's Word that will reveal truths for our lives. John 8.32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Grab a pen and take some notes, and let the Holy Spirit reveal the Father's heart to you. How many know if you wait for external motivation when the environment's not right, when the environment's not right you'll just quit? You're always waiting on everything around you to be perfect externally. And if that environment doesn't get right, you ain't never going to do it. That's for anything in life. That's how people are. For example, if you're in a worship service, ain't nobody worshiping, then you can't worship. You're waiting on the external motivators to move into worship. Well, I don't like that song. and I, Nobody else is praising God. I hope I don't burn the pot roast before we get home. External motivators. Some people just can't worship God unless the atmosphere is charged. It's nice to come into an atmosphere that's charged. It really is. It makes it easy to worship. But how I many know you ought to be able to worship right in the worst day of your life? Come on, amen? That's just another way to say that what motivates me is on the external. It's on the outside. You've got a lot of people that work in an environment where there aren't a lot of Christians. They might be the only Christian on their job. So the Christian shows up for work and bails out on the Christian walk at work because their motivation is external. They're Christians when they're at church, but they go to work and they look like everybody else. They're motivated by what's around them. Can I just tell you this? You didn't get hired at your job so you can get affirmed. Your job is not about your affirmation, amen? You say, well, my boss never respects me. My boss never affirms me. So what? That's not what you're there for. 
You're not there for affirmation. You're there because you need a job. You're there to get a paycheck, to provide for your family, to take care of your needs, to provide resource so that you can put food on the table. That's what your job is for, amen? And thank God He gave you a source of income, especially in today's economy. Praise the Lord, amen? You shouldn't be worried about affirmation. That's your job. How many of you understand it it can't just be the other way either? Just show me the money. Show me, I'm showing up for it. Show me the money. What do you mean, Pastor? I'm saying that those people that are professionals are only motivated by the reward system. Rewards should only be part of it. It shouldn't be all of it. Amen? Give me a paycheck. Give me a retirement plan. Show me the riches. That's what motivates me. I go to work because I get the check. But you know what? That is a low level of living in your life. That's low level living. We've got to come to a point in our life where we are motivated by the internal things of our life and we're not motivated by the external. When we're motivated by the dream that God put on the inside of us, when we're motivated by the passion that beats inside of our heart for what we know that God has destined us to do, when we're motivated to get out of the bed because God spoke to us and said, I've called you into this opportunity. Now get moving today. There is nothing more exciting to know in your life that God has purposed and planned for you your day. That ought to motivate you right out of the bed. Come on, amen. If you talk to any of the business people in here that have their own business, any of the business people in the room, in the beginning, they didn't always have an overflow of customers or an overflow of money and everything didn't always go right. They didn't have all the perfect employees that they needed. They had to figure out things along the way to get all the work done. They had to process it. They, they had to get up out of the morning out of the bed and get down there and make it happen. They had to be motivated by the dream. This place stands here today because there are people that came here with vision and people that came here with a dream and it motivated them to get out of the bed when it seemed like the odds were insurmountable, when it seemed like the bank was going to call, when it seemed like the walls were coming down, when it seemed like the county kept saying no. They were motivated by a dream to get up and say, I don't care, I'm going anyway. God has said, Come on, somebody. Amen. I don't particularly like working 60 and 70 hours a week. That's not my dream. But you know what? I do it because I'm motivated by a bigger dream. I'm motivated by a passion for what God is passionate for. That's what motivates my life. Because I'm hungry to see people changed. Hmm? Can I just declare to you this morning, I've got a dream. I've got a vision for this house. And you ought to have a dream and a vision for this house. And if not for this house, for your ministry that God has called you to. You should have a vision and a dream that motivates you every day. My God, that's good news for some of us this morning. I'm motivated by the internal power of the Holy Ghost that works on the inside of me. Amen. And it's caused me to realize that I've got a destiny in Jesus Christ. I've got a destiny in Him. Amen. That's good news. Ephesians 3.20 says this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Come on, somebody saying the power that works in us. In other words, God's going to do big things in our life, but it's in proportion to the power that works in us. Little power, little things. Big power, big things. It's in proportion to that power that works in us. I hope you understand that God's ability to work in our lives will always be in accordance to our partnership with our Father. 
It's how we partner in our relationship. The power of that relationship that, that we share with God, it's also the source of my passion for God. It's why I love Him so much. It's why, it's why I'm motivated so much because I'm so in love with Him. Come on, that's, that's the motivating factor of this thing. Amen? You cannot spend time with Jesus and not be passionate for the things that Jesus is passionate about. You'll pick up His heart. If you spend time with Jesus, you'll find out what He's passionate for. And you'll become passionate for the same things. The Bible says the byproduct of their passion was they spake the word with boldness. Somebody say boldness. The byproduct of your relationship with God is that you're bold. You're bold. You're not influenced by the external. You're influenced by the internal. And because of that relationship, you're bold. Somebody say bold. You get bold in your expression. They can't shut you up. They can't make you be quiet. <laughs> come on, amen. Michael, if you and Felicia would come on up. You know, the Greek philosophers, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, they'd get together and they would articulate their philosophy. And they would, they, there was this period at the end of Malachi for 400 years before you know, the, John the Baptist had come on the scene. And during that time, all these great philosophers began to spew out philosophy. The problem was is that God wasn't speaking for 400 years. So what we got for 400 years was the philosophy of men and what men thought was right. All the systems that we live by today, democracy, you know, a republic, uh, representative of the people, the, the sense of government that we have today was all based on that 400 years of philosophy. And some of the things that they talked about, these great philosophers talked to and they communicated, they said, they said, if you want people to believe your message, there are three things you need to incorporate when you try to get a message across to people. Three things. The first one is the ethos. Everybody say ethos. That's where ethics come from. Y'all know what ethics are, don't you? It means that the person that's speaking, you're talking about the credibility of the speaker. Is that person really credible? Are they ethical? Can you believe what they say based on their life? Do they live what they say? Are there ethics about what they're saying? If the person that speaking is not living a life that doesn't match up with what they're talking about, then, then no one's going to believe anything they have to say. They're not going to listen to them. Isn't that right? So that's one of the things I said is that you, you, there's the ethos part of the talk. And then the second one was the logos. Say logos. To the Greeks, the logos was not the word of God. It was just the word. It, it was an intellectual content of what they're talking about. It, it, had to be, it had to be intellectual. It had to make sense. It had to add up. It was the philosophy that was being discussed. The ethos of the word. You couldn't just get up even if you had credibility and speak a bunch of gibberish. People wouldn't listen. You had to have credibility and you had to know what you were talking about. And the third thing they said was the pathos. Say pathos. And check this out. It wasn't just the character of the person teaching, and it wasn't just the content of the message, but it was also the pathos. Pathos was a word that describes the emotion of it. Is what the guy's speaking to me right now, is it make me have an emotional tie to what he's talking about? I understand he might be ethical, and, he, and the word might be critical, credible, but is it moving me? Is it stirring up passion in my heart? 
Is it causing me to be motivated towards my dream? Is it causing me to want to get in the game? Come on, amen. You know, we can get excited about what God does. And we can get excited over the fact that God wants to use us. But if the excitement wears off when you walk out these two doors this morning, and you say, that was a good word. Pastor Jason's a good man. But it doesn't move you. If it doesn't move you, then you'll never carry it. It's got to move you. That's where passion comes from. See, the thing about the disciples was this. They, when Jesus was crucified, they ran and hid. Their emotions took a nosedive. They were afraid for their life. They, all was lost. Their hopes, their dreams, everything that they had pursued. The hope that Jesus was the Messiah. The hope that the kingdom was coming. It was all washed away on a bloody, bloody, bloody day. But three days later, when Jesus showed himself to them, the emotions of these guys flipped all the way around from death and despair to passion, to hunger. So much so that every one of them would end up laying their lives down for the sake of the gospel. They were so passionate for God. They were so passionate for the things of Jesus. That nothing would dissuade them. They were the starting lineup for the kingdom of God players. But this game of life that we're in today, ladies and gentlemen, it's been played from generation to generation to generation to generation. In every generation, God is looking for a starting lineup. But he's looking for players that are passionate. Players that seize opportunity. Players that won't back down in the face of adversity. Players that won't quit when it seems like all is lost. Players that believe. God's calling us to be that kind of a player, to be so passionate for His Word, so hungry for a move of God, especially in this generation. Today it seems like the gospel is just being smothered out. 